Well, hey, friends, welcome back to the podcast. Before we get into today's episode, we've got a brief conversation with you. Yes, you get a two-part. You get an interview before the interview. Alan was recently in California on a consulting trip and some time away, and while there, he got to connect with one of his coaching clients, and they sat down for a brief talk about where he's at, what he's doing, how coaching's helping him, and we like to share those with you because it's one thing for us to say, hey, coaching clarifies and our experiences transform, but it's one thing to hear it from the people that are being transformed and benefited the most. So enjoy this conversation with Joe, and then we're going to jump into our conversation. Alan has a phenomenal talk with, about spiritual disciplines with Nancy Ortberg. So enjoy today's twofer with Joe and then Nancy Ortberg on the Right Side of Leadership podcast. Well, friends, welcome back to the podcast. And I've had a special treat. I've actually been in California, heading down the coast, uh, and it is beautiful. I'm actually looking up at the mountains right now, uh, and I've gotten out of the Colorado weather. Um, it is not snowing here. It's about 65 <laughs> degrees, and I'm here with my main man, Joe. Uh, I have had the privilege, Joe, of walking with you and hearing what God is doing in and around you and this beautiful idea and space we're sitting in. And so, man, it has been a, a pure joy to share a meal and be with you this afternoon. Right on. Thank you. It's good to be here, Alan. Thanks for investing in me. Man, it is. it has been absolutely my joy. And as we sit here in this space, I've seen it on Zoom before. Most of my coaching is on Zoom. There is nothing like getting into the context. And yeah. I am sitting here in... Um, what I would describe as kind of a kingdom hub, co-working space, innovation yeah. platform in your community. Um, and so I don't want to describe it wrong, but Joe, tell me a little bit, describe the space we're in. And then of course, I want to hear what is the story behind um, the, the vision of this place? Sure. Yeah. Well, we're currently sitting in San Luis Obispo, California, a little central coast town, about halfway between San Francisco and, and Los Angeles. And uh, we're currently sitting in um, the build-out of something I've been dreaming about for many years, uh, which is really a co-working space, um, providing opportunities for people to have um, a desk and, and a place for themselves for themselves and others to do work. But it's really more than just coffee, Wi-Fi, and desk. And to me, this needs to be a place of belonging and a place of developing leaders. So we're sitting in the main space. It's it's a humble 3,500, 4,000 square foot room, um, room with some conference rooms, some private suites, private desks, and, and some open space. Um, the, the origin story of this <clears throat> has been really coming um, from a place of really, you know, it's faith informed. It's not a faith forward space, but it's faith informed in this vision of seeing all people and cultures flourish in our community. And what would it look like to use even something like co-working as a way to develop leaders and to equip the whole person? Uh, so beyond, again, the desk and Wi-Fi is a place where we want to create offerings, coaching workshops, leadership development, an incubator accelerator space, particularly for <clears throat> people of color and women in our community, those who are under-resourced or uh, underserved in our community. What does it look like to help them dream dreams, to build their own enterprises, uh, that fit within a redemptive framework um, mm -hmm. to help bring lift and life to um, our community. I love that, lift and life uh, to the community. So I'm looking at a large, I don't even think we can call it a boardroom. I mean, it's a beautiful space. I'm imagining presentations and stuff in there. And as um, our introduction was a friend of ours that said, Alan, you 
curated something like this, right? And for two years in Colorado Springs, we had a similar space, and I still have stories of that, yeah. including the quinceanera that was in there, including the wedding reception that was in there. Just that's, solid. that's not the kind of reason we started this space, right? The yoga group that met there, but also the meet and greets, yeah. the uh, hard conversations yeah. that happened in there, the businesses that yeah. uh, expanded. That's actually where our podcast started, which is yeah. pretty cool to think about. Uh, yeah. I don't know if we would have started that in our home. We just kind of needed that space. Um, you're dreaming about maybe a podcast studio or facility here as well. And it is there's just something about being in a space like this. And so obviously office space is, is expensive. A lot of people you're working with are um, entrepreneurs and oh, side hustlers. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine what it would, what would be like, you know, business-wise. So yeah. give me just a couple snippets of the kind of opportunities and gatherings you see kind of breaking out yeah. throughout the space besides just co-working I, I don't just see co-working and convenience here yeah. for a desk what yeah. kind of opportunities yeah. do you envision here yeah so we I should say that we we've called this place we actually have two now uh story labs um and ultimately we want to help people discover a bigger story uh for their work and ultimately for their life um we came at this space with the question of what would be good news to our community <clears throat> what would be good news to our city um, which, you know, there's lots of challenges, lots of uh, problems to address, and we can't, we can't personally meet them all. But we, we addressed a couple things. One was just affordable workspaces, particularly for a growing remote, uh, growing demand for remote workers, uh, particularly coming out of pandemic. Um, secondly was we wanted to create spaces of belonging and relationship, mental health, people living and working in isolation on their own in their homes is, is a huge and critical issue. Uh, we personally just lost my sister-in-law um, to a tragic suicide seven months ago, and we're still kind of journeying through uh, the messiness of that. And um, so we want to create places where people can connect meaningfully um, and have um, relationships and belonging. And then thirdly, we want this to be a place where we're, as I mentioned earlier, incubating um, ideas, enterprises that really pursue the good of our community. So when people come, they may come here to work. Um, they may come here just for heads down. Hopefully they'll come for some good coffee and <laughs> music. Uh, but ultimately, we want this to be not about, as I mentioned earlier, a container with desks and coffee and Wi-Fi, but a place where we're developing leaders that really seek the flourishing or the well-being of a city. Um, so our offerings within this space, we have lunch and learns on Wednesdays and Fridays. We'll develop workshops for people around leadership development, organizational leadership. We'll provide coaching. That's part of the buy-in when you're in this. And it's all opt-in, of course, um, but we'll provide coaching with certified um, vocational life coaches. Um, and then... Yeah, I mentioned just the, the accelerator programs. So I love to do, from here we'll build out field trips where we take trips as a community from Story Labs into the neighborhoods and, and look at other businesses that are doing good work in our city that are bringing meaningful change or transformation. So in order to steal and learn, you know, learn and steal ideas and and collaborate. Um, so really this is a place that is designed for collaboration and development um, above all else. Man, I love I love that. And, of course, it's good for me to be on the ground, as great as Zoom yeah. is. <laughs> Zoom is great for coaching. It works for coaching. But there's just nothing like sharing a meal. We had some snack tacos earlier. Uh, <laughs> probably for my tacos, I'll eat for my second dinner, honestly, yeah. later. Yeah. But, man, there is, um, in this season of discouragement for a lot of people, I yeah. think the lie yeah. 
is that uh, nobody's advancing. There's not cool stuff happening. I think this is one, you know, outpost of the kingdom to say uh, this is innovative. It's cultural. It fits uh, San Luis Obispo in a way that's different from Colorado Springs. That's different from yeah. Fort Collins. That's different from St. Louis. Um, and it, it feels distinctly of the place. And I could just sense, man, this is the, the photos, the branding, the little pieces around here. You're of your community. So Joe, it's been a great privilege to walk alongside of you and to be here in the space, man, I'm feeling it. <laughs> and, uh, I know that you're going to continue to, to reach people, the flourishing of, San Luis Obispo is is unfolding currently, and it's been just yeah. exciting to be here for the last few hours. So, yeah. friends, if you're listening to this, um, I just want to remind you, you need to connect with people who are taking risks for the kingdom. There are so many discouraging things on the newsreel right now and on the interwebs. And uh, for me, my coaching clients are absolutely taking incredible risks, some of them internally, uh, to overcome pain and challenges and grieve things uh, in their lives, but many times externally of uh, this, this massive issue um, in our city. And you're undertaking one of those as well, Joe. So I just wanted to challenge and remind you before we get started with our full episode here that you probably need to reconnect with somebody who's taking kingdom risks. You probably need to get something back on the calendar. You probably need to take a field trip like Joe mentioned and go see somebody else who's going for it. Um, and to not believe the lies um, that it's all falling apart uh, right now. That's just not true. I'm incredibly encouraged by what we're seeing across the country right now. So, Joe, keep up the good work. I love what God is doing in San Luis Obispo. Thank you, my man. It's a gift to be here and be with you. Appreciate your investment in me, and you you hold a, you hold stake in this space and the impact we hope to make through it. So I appreciate you. Welcome to the podcast, Nancy. Great to have you. Thanks for having me. So um, I just want to start by going straight to the nerve. As we were talking before this, you're saying, okay, I don't call them spiritual disciplines. I disdain the phrase. So before I make a mistake and call them spiritual disciplines, why not? Well, it's not a mistake for you. It is for me. Um, you know, there's just something about the word discipline. And I think for guys that have done sports, maybe you guys like that word. It makes me feel like a soldier mm. and like I have to move towards something I don't like doing to get to something I do want to do, which I don't think is a great way to build a relationship. And so when I think about God, when I think about my husband, I don't engage in spiritual disciplines to be close to him. I have practices in my life that I do because I want to um, to deepen our relationship. But it's just I think language matters. And for me, um, I much prefer the phrase spiritual practices. Awesome. Well, let's talk about some spiritual practices here in a minute. But first, sure. uh, you do some pretty incredible work um, with TBC. And can you share just a little bit about the organization, how you got into that, and what you're seeing God do uh, there in the Bay? Sure. Um, I've been with TBC for a little over six years. It was probably going about a year before I came on staff with them uh, to help catalyze a holistic gospel movement in the Bay Area. And a lot of it, the focus was around unity. We work with senior pastors, marketplace leaders of faith, nonprofit leaders, church planters. And um, when they first talked to me about considering the position, I said, no, I've never seen a unity movement do much more than meet once a year, eat bad chicken for lunch, pray, <laughs> slap themselves on the back and think something happened and nothing happened. So the headhunter showed me 
the chairman of the board's vision for this organization. And when I got done reading it, I realized this is this is something completely different. So I was captivated um, pretty much from the beginning. And uh, we worked in three strategic streams. We work in Unify, pulling pastors into networks. And those networks have at their core relationships and uh, prayer and encouragement moving towards collective impact. How do we gather our churches together in a zip code and really help our cities? Uh, Amplify, we work with nonprofit leaders and compassion, local compassion pastors around issues like homelessness, foster care, uh, education, prison reform, all those kinds of things, and try to accelerate that. And then with Multiply, we're doing work in church planting in the Bay Area, which is a formidable task, and evangelism. What evangelism models work in a post-Christian culture. Wow, beautiful. I love all those things. Sounds like you're, you know, kind of at the convergence of some really sweet things. What are some unique yeah. things that, that God's doing in the Bay? You know, it's been amazing. I think the first thing is when I started, everybody kept telling me how dark the Bay was. And at the end of my first year where I really just drove around and met a bunch of people, I was shaking my head like, no, it's actually not. Um, there are all kinds of leaders of faith and people of faith doing amazing things. Part of the uh, work that we do is we bring them together so that we can convene in order to catalyze something. And so I was just very pleasantly surprised with how much was already going on. And then I think, you know, given this area, there is an underlying passion and uh, stick-to-itiveness and entrepreneurship mindset in a lot of these leaders that uh, refuses to take no for an answer and is going to figure out a way to make a difference. And that's just delightful to work with. Mm, beautiful. Well, as, as we kind of engage the topic of spiritual formation or spiritual practices, what are some of the challenges of spiritual formation today in today's climate? Well, you know, I think across our country, um, technology is a great tool, which has also brought easily accessible distractions. And because our brains are so wired to move to distractions, that's uh, a pathway that we have to interrupt if we're going to spiritually shape ourselves or be part of that. Um, I think especially here in the Bay Area, the relentless drive for ambition. Ambition can be a great thing, but um, people that are working, you know, 70-hour weeks and giving their whole lives over to their work. And then I think um, maybe just uh, the ordinariness of most lives and the the uh, inability to stop and pause and think about the deeper questions. And it's interesting. It's almost like as you talk about these different aspects, perhaps even church planters will struggle a little bit differently than a nonprofit leader, a little bit differently than a business leader. And yet there's a lot in common busyness though. I hear across the board, Nancy. I mean, it's the last call I was on. Oh, it sounds like you're busy. And no, my life is full. I hate the word busy, yet we seem to use them. It's just common vernacular. So what's the relationship between spiritual formation and busyness? No, I think you make a great point, Alan. I think we we wear busyness like a badge of honor, even unconsciously. And um, Peace Scazzaro has a great phrase. He said, I'm not busy. I'm just limited. I, Mm. I only have a certain amount of hours in a day, and I can't do everything I want to do. So living in that reality is important. Dallas Willard used to always uh, make a distinction between busyness and hurriedness. And he said many times during the day, you may need to be busy, but there's difference between that and a 
a, a state of the spirit of our spirits where we are hurried. And there's a frantic quality to that that um, feeds itself. I think busyness is a little easier to switch gears and I'm busy. Okay, now I'm going to slow down and reenter engage with my kids or my family or some quiet time. But uh, hurriedness uh, kind of breathes on itself and just stirs up RPMs going so fast that it's really hard to slow down from. And I think it's a huge uh, obstacle to being spiritually formed. One of the things, Nancy, we're always trying to do here on this podcast is provide a tool or a handle or a question or an exercise, just something really simple that people Mm -hmm. can grab onto in the midst of a normal, dare I say, a busy, packed, limited day. Are there a few exercises or tools that are particularly helpful for those who feel rudderless right now? Yes. First of all, I applaud your um, perspective on making them simple and accessible. I think so many times, especially the way I grew up, um, if you were going to spend some time alone with God, it had to be in the morning. It had to be at least 30 minutes. You had to journal. It had to have an acronym. And there were all these (laughs) rules around it that just made it feel formidable. You know, Jesus never journaled. If journaling works for you, that's great. But we make it so prescriptive. And I think to rest away from the prescriptiveness and to say, a um, couple of times a day, I will literally, in my car, if I've pulled over in between meetings or I'm in some place where I can do it, I will set my timer on my phone for three minutes, and I will put it down, and I will just breathe and try to be very mindful of God and listen, not talk, not ask for anything. It's amazing, two or three times a day, a couple of minutes at a time, how over the course of a week or two, it can get me in general to move at a little bit of a slower pace. Um, I think making little observations when something brings you joy or beauty or wonder or awe, to just stop for 60 seconds and let it register in your soul. Those are really simple things, but I think we look at if it's not an hour, if it doesn't involve six chapters in the Bible. (laughs) And let's be honest, that doesn't always make it into every day. So some of the simpler things along the way, I think really build up a great practice. Mm, that's good. Um, how about this? I'm going to share a few moments I've been in awe in the last week. It happened to be in your neck Wonderful. of the woods, by the way. And I want to give well, you California some time. California will do that for you. Oh, 75 yeah. degrees. Um, I'm I'm in awe. Uh, this this last week is my wife and I just literally drove the coast, and we sat there and we're watching people fish and we're watching people surf and we're watching people play, and we just sat and had a picnic. I need the ocean once in a while. Um, I was in awe sitting among the vineyards, you know, with my wife in Napa Valley and just just looking out and seeing kind of the flowers growing in between um, vines. And and we forget, like it's green in other places uh, in the middle of winter. And those are moments of just, I was filled with awe. What are some of those for you you've had in the last year? Actually, let me just, because they're they're similar to yours. So let me unpack some thinking in that for just a minute. I love the way you said it. Isaiah 29, verses 13 and 14. It's the prophet Isaiah. So you know God's mad. Got to tell the people why he's mad. (laughs) Isaiah says, your lips, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. I don't know about you, but almost daily basis, I find my insides and my outsides don't always match when it comes to God. So guilty as charged. Mm-hmm. Second complaint he has is you've taken religion and turned it into a bunch of rules made up by men instead of a relationship. Ad, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, do it in the morning, 30 minutes. 
guilty as charged. Then the next verse says, therefore, and I would expect, knowing God the way I do, that it would be we start a read through the Bible program tomorrow. And again, for me, all the time spiritual disciplines are mentioned, it always involves just a few things, solitude, reading the Bible, journaling, and it's such a narrow scope. The next verse says, therefore, once again, I will astound my people with wonder upon wonder. Mm. And at least in those two verses, he's saying what heals a heart from being disintegrated from God and from turning religion into a bunch of rules is being astounded by the very things you just said. So not only does that count as a spiritual practice, it's a very important spiritual practice. Mm, so well said. And then one other thing, there's been a big study between Duke, Notre Dame, and Azusa Pacific University on what prevents burnout in those in senior pastor roles. And it wasn't more spiritual disciplines. It wasn't going back to school. Not that either one of those are bad things. Over everybody they studied in a longitudinal study, uh, it was do they have a hobby that they practice on a weekly basis? And when they practice it, they lose track of time. Yep. And you think about that's theologically profound. It's hmm. saying when I surf or when I go hiking, I lose track of time and I'm reminded the earth is still spinning on its axis and I have nothing to do with it. Beautiful. Deep play. They also call it, I think it's Cal Newport, it calls it deep play. When I'm fly Lovely. fishing, when I'm rock climbing, when I'm playing basketball, I literally cannot afford to not pay attention because I'm so right. into those moments that suddenly right. uh, leadership things figured themselves out or they weren't that important. That's, That's beautiful. Right. What about you? What does what play and wonder look like for Nancy? Oh, I love hiking. Um, and again, we have so many beautiful places out here with my dog and my husband. We just have great conversations and then get to watch Baxter romp in front of us. Um, we both surf. We surf very poorly, but that's okay at our age. It's just so fun to be out in the water. And like you said, you have to pay attention to so many things at once that if you're thinking about work, you're probably going to get knocked off the wave or never get up. Um, and then for me, being with friends, having a great meal and a great conversation. You know, there's that beautiful verse in Genesis 33 for to see your face is like seeing the face of God. And really, all of life is spiritual formation, paying a bill, teaching a child to ride a bike, um, grocery shopping, getting ready for a meeting. There's always ways where I can bring my mindfulness to that activity and do it with God in ways that change me. And I need to just be thinking about that more and more each day. Mm. You know, we've got one more question. I, I want you to encourage, speak over, or, or pray over leaders. But Really before that, it's interesting, the city movement piece that you talked about, I've seen similar things happen where what we call unity, maybe a gathering once a year that not everybody gets to play and those kind of things. Yeah. Um, a lot of people listening who do care about the practical unity in their cities, um, could yeah. you give three or four kind of tips or pointers to folks, maybe the things to not do or things to do if you truly want to develop unity among churches, businesses, and nonprofits in a city? Yeah, I think the first thing I would say is get to know people first without an agenda. So if they come along unity together, that's great. If they don't, um, still spend time investing in them and getting to know them, sharing your heart with them as well. The second thing I say I would say is to develop a very simple, elegant, and uh, a simple, elegant theology of unity. Very simply, this things like this. Um, Jesus's last prayer, public prayer, was in John 17. It was for unity. Why? It's crazy. He never prayed about unity anywhere else in scripture. Why did he do it then? And why in the first 
verse of the next chapter did the evil one have him on the way to the cross? I think very simply there's an unstoppable force that comes from an uncommon unity, and we don't have it very often. Most people like unity on paper, but as soon as I will paint a picture of unity and they'll say, great, and I'll say, wonderful. How about if you work with him? Oh, I can't work with him because of this. Okay. How about if you work with her? Well, nope, I can't work with her because of this. And all of a sudden, the issues that should be secondary and tertiary become primary, and Jesus gets pushed down. And I honestly think this kind of unity is if what you have in common is Jesus, everything else doesn't matter. And we can stand on that one stone and do things together that will remind the world that the church is an unstoppable force. Beautiful. And I'd love to talk more, love to talk for hours. Again, we better not here on the podcast. Nancy, can can you just leave a discouraged or stuck, overwhelmed or exhausted leader with some words of encouragement or pray over them? I would love to do that. I think, first of all, my prayer for you would be to acknowledge your weariness. You are tired. You're tired for a reason. This has been a very rough season that has starts and stops that just doesn't seem to end. And it's not always clear what we should do next. So have a place to talk about that. Have friends in the ministry where you can share that conversation. And Father, I just pray that you would bless them in those conversations of acknowledging how tired they are. But then again, in the midst of all that, these are moments that leadership is made for. And we think that a pandemic or racial tensions or political turbulence is, those are not the unprecedented things. They're just not. They're all throughout the pages of history, what's unprecedented is the gospel. That has not changed. It is utterly unprecedented. And so I would remind you the words from the Old Testament when God brought his people back from Babylonian exile and circled them around the ruins of the temple, the building that was the socioeconomic religious center of their country that they loved. And he said to them, do not despise the day of small things. And you are standing at the day of small things. We are rebuilding. We're not rewinding. We need to take a good look at who God needs the church to be. And we need to unrelentlessly rebuild our church in that direction. And with God's help, you will. Amen. Wow. Nancy, thank you for that. The minister to me. My pleasure. We need My that. Pleasure. Thank you for what you're doing. Make sure to get back out on the surfboard here soon. Enjoy <laughs> that beautiful California weather. So great to meet you and so great to have you here. Thank on you. Podcast. Thanks so much. Show.